Okay, everyone, we're going to do our weekly podcast, our Bible study, and I hope you enjoy this. We're, God has been dealing with me very much on this, and as I was studying the scripture out and looking for what the Lord was wanting me to talk about, even in the doctor's office today, I was in that time you sit in there in that room, you wait for half hour, 45 minutes or so it seems. I even have my notebook out and God's just feeding me these thoughts of what he wanted me to talk about. So I want to get into that with you tonight and I want to study this with you. Okay, Um, so turn to your Bibles if you want to. Romans chapter one. I'm going to read to you some verses of scripture, okay? We're going to go from really the the basis of what we're going to talk about is in verse 24 through down through verse 32, but I'm going to read 18 through 32 here, here in just a second. What this is about is everybody know that these verses of scripture talks about God's extreme anger at sin. Okay, so we all know that, right? We, we know that God gets angry when we sin. Uh, God loves the sinner, but God hates sin. It's sin that caused Jesus to have to go to the cross. It was sin that took God's only begotten son and nailed him to the cross. It was the fact, it, it's the consequence of sin. Sin undealt with is absolutely deadly. It is the most deadly poison someone could ever take in their life. There is nothing more deadly and more poisonous to your person than sin. Sin can affect you emotionally. Sin can affect you physically. Sin can affect you spiritually and eternally. Not just in this world, but it has a consequence that 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 is in the world to come for you and for me. So God is angry at sin because it has such a a very powerful consequence in human beings' lives. You you got to understand we're God is a holy God and He knows no sin and He's perfect and He's clean and He's and He's absolutely holy and and so God wants us to have no sin because sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. Therefore, if you die with sin, you're not going to be in the presence of God. That has to be dealt with. And the only way it can be dealt with is through Jesus Christ. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. I mean, mercy, man. I mean, when someone extends mercy to you and grace, let me tell you, there's nothing more valuable to the lowly sinner, to the person who knows they are doomed and they receive mercy. My goodness, that is so heartwarming to a person to know somebody loves them more than what their actions would have would have declared them to have received or, or would have judged them to have received. So when somebody wrongs you and you give them grace and mercy, I'm telling you, that is a very powerful thing because sin ha- it has such a powerful consequence to it. So God makes a big deal about this in his word. We all know that God gets angry at sin, but there's, there's something in here that I want to talk about Three times between the ver- verse 24 of chapter 1 of the book of Romans down through 32, in between verse 24 and 32, three times God in his word says he abandoned them. Okay, 
I, I, wanna, I want us to study this out together tonight. Let's look at this and look at that person right there that Paul is talking about. I want to talk about that person, the abandoned one, if you will. Um, you know, when God abandons a person, um, what is it that he takes away? Okay, what what is missing in that person's life as a result of God no longer being present in their life? So we get kind of a, a, a snippet of that from verse 18 down through 32. But I also want to throw some stuff in there that, you know, oftentimes is overlooked but that we're going to look at. But I want to read these verses of scripture to you. Now, this is in the NLT, and I know. I love the King James Version just as much as anybody else, so please indulge me this as I like to read through the, the other versions of the Scripture so that we can e extrapolate a real good meaning and come to an intent uh, uh, and a clarification sometimes uh, throughout the versions and we can really get the meaning of God's Word. So this is, I want to read this to you. I love how the NLT brings this out. I think it's awesome. Listen to this. This is going to be verse chapter 1, verse 18 down through 32. Listen at what it says. And I might stop a time or two when, I, when, when we need to highlight something here. But listen, it says, But God shows his anger. Well, let me read verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. The good news. The good news is we have a Savior who destroyed the power of sin. And the only thing you have to do is believe in him. Listen at this. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile, saving everyone who believes. I'm telling you, that is an amazing few words we skip over. The good news is the power of God is working to save everyone who believes. Save me? Save me from what? From that eternity that I talked about, the extreme consequence of sin. But listen, it goes on to say in verse 19, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Okay, God has give us, given us obvious truth and obvious understanding that he exists. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, I covered all this in a sermon not too long ago. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So here's this person. Now we're starting to get a, you know, a snippet of this person. They, they, they know the truth about God, but they don't want to recognize him, even though God is right before their very eyes. They don't see him as God. And listen to this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So here's a result of these abandoned people. They, they, are, they, they come up with foolish ideas about God. And they start worshiping things that they shouldn't. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Dark, meaning evil and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Because they started believing things that wasn't true. They started worshiping things that wasn't true. And instead of worshiping truth in Jesus Christ and Yahweh God, they started worshiping, listen, 
Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, in verse 23, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now listen, verse 24. So God abandoned them. That's number one. To do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26. That is why God, number two, abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within, the, within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, number three, the third time, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backbiters or haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. So let's take a look at this abandoned person for just a minute. I want you to, to look at this. When God takes away his presence from you, what is it that he's taken away? Let's look at the word and watch it as it starts to explain this. Okay. A suppressed truth by your own wickedness. Verse 18. They knew the truth about God and he made it obvious to them. But it says wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, by their wickedness, they love sin more than they love the truth. They love their wickedness more than the thought of being right with God and avoiding the consequence for that wickedness. They can't see it as, as being such. It's an extreme love for darkness or a seared conscience as it talks about in the scripture. You know, one of the things when, when that God provides for us with his presence is conviction. Conviction is God's way of pricking our heart, our soul, to show us when we have done wrong so that we will repent and turn away from that in which we were being punished for or convicted for. So when a person, when God pulls away his presence, that is not there. And so man just falls and falls and falls and falls into more and more and more sin because there in fact is no, there is no, nothing to keep us from it. When your conscience is seared over 
as the scripture says, with a hot iron or cauterized over, and you have no basis for what you believe, then you'll do anything. So one of the things that we see as a result of this abandoned person is they have no conviction for right and wrong. God isn't present to say, hey, stop that. And so as we see in the word, as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Okay. But as it talks about here, they suppress the truth. God made it obvious to them. Okay. And then they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. When a person is abandoned, they forget who God is. The, the thought of God, of who he is, becomes darkened and confused with what with, with a form of religion that is has no godliness to it at all, but is nothing more than doctrines of demons. And so what we see is a, a fouled sort of worship now. So in everything, there's an aspect to everything. So when God is with us and God is in control, he calls us to worship him in spirit and in truth, as the scripture says. But right here where you see these abandoned people, they begin to think up all kinds of skewed ways of worship. Okay, in verse 23, it says, instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, the fact that they wanted to worship something never stopped, but they became dark because the light of God had left them. And it says here they began to worship people and statues and animals and things. So we see a loss of conviction, a fouled sort of worship going on here. And then the next thing we see in verse 24, when the first time that he tells us, it says, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. So the loss of conviction, and it says, as a result, they did vile and degrading things to each other's bodies. So as marriage is a symbol of Christ and his church, as the Bible says, we are betrothed to Jesus. We are, in fact, you know, engaged with him, so to speak, right now. He is, he is the bridegroom, and we are the bride, the bride of Christ. We have the church is referenced as a bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. And he's away, as the old ceremony used to be in old Israel. When a man was going to marry a woman, he would okay it with the father and a dowry was paid and that dowry was in fact Jesus Christ the the sacrifice that he gave in himself that he that knew no sin became sin and gave himself for us okay as a sacrifice for us the lamb of god he purchased us with his own blood the scripture says we have been we are not our own we belong to him we've been purchased by him now he's away and he's preparing a place for us right and there we will go and be with him, right? So now we're looking at a form of marriage, a form. And when, when, when Christ is ready for us, he will come back for his bride and take, take us with him, thank God. But when we look at this, we see a, a skewed form of, of uh, this kind of a relationship going on, okay? Now it says, 
they traded, they, they started doing degrading things with each other's bodies. So now we're looking at a, a, san, a satanic trade for what God intended sex to be and the use of each other's bodies. And so we, as, a, as, a, as what the scripture is saying, this abandoned person traded the truth about God for a lie, okay? And it says, God abandoned them to do their shameful desires, women turning against the natural way to have sex. Now, if you'll notice in this day and time that we're living in, as we get closer and closer and closer to the, to the event of Jesus coming back and the, the end of the days, the end of the age, we see this very script, scripture becoming more and more accepted in today's society and, and people are engaging in this lifestyle very much these days. And it's even being taught in our schools in some instances these days where even where homosexual marriages are, and, uh, are given credence, same-sex marriages are are being put into practice in different states. These states are in fact teaching children in some very liberal places, teaching little boys how to have safe anal sex with other little boys. And as and, and we're seeing this very scripture as God abandoned them. People are, are just, they're going to new levels with this and falling deeper and deeper and deeper as, as we talked about earlier. And so it's even being taught now and it's just unheard of. We just can't even believe this as Christian people that this would happen. But we're told right here that this is what happens when God, when we push God away and when God abandons a people and a person, this is what happens. Sex starts to go down the tubes here, folks. It starts to get dark and it starts to get evil. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with the women, burned in lust with each other, doing shameful things with other men, and they suffered the penalty in which they so rightly deserved. And that penalty is the abandonment of God. When God abandons you, that means you have no chance. Because the scripture says that we have to be wooed by the Holy Spirit. We have to be brought to that place to be shown our sins so that we can be saved. If God leaves you, you are a dead man walking. Do you understand me? I don't want to cross that line. Because when God abandons you, you're done. There's no hope. And in verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, listen, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Now we see a skewed form of thinking as a result of God pulling away. So the abandoned person in their mind is so dark. I mean, their worship is wrong. They have no convictions. They start engaging in illicit sexual behavior. They, their thinking is all messed up. I call it stinking thinking. They're jacked up in the head. Listen to this. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Listen to this. The abandoned person. When God takes his presence away from you, oh my goodness, folks. The depths of hell is how far we go. Sin, greed. Listen to that word, greed. How, how many people are out there just for the dollar these days? They don't care about what you need or what you have. They don't. There's no brotherly love that much left in the world. It's all greed. Me, me, me. Hate, it says. 
Hate. Hate is a strong word. Hate means that you've crossed the line of forgiveness. And the Bible says that when we hate somebody like this and we don't forgive them, there's no forgiveness for us. Envy. Desiring what other people have. That's coveting. That's part of the Ten Commandments. We can't envy. We can't covet. We're supposed to be happy with the things that we have and thank God for who we are, what we are, what he's blessed us with. Murder, not killing, but murder. And there's many ways to murder someone. You don't have to just murder someone physically, but you can murder someone spiritually, folks. Listen, by your tongue, by gossip, murdering someone. You can, you can take someone's life from them by hurtful things you say. Quarreling. The quarreling person fighting all the time, never know peace in their life, always something hurtful to say or engaging in some sort of a fight or debate, deception. That is the ultimate description of the, of the devil is it goes back to lying and deception. It is his absolute kind of what Satan is, so to speak, is who he is, is all about deception and lying. It's his it's his personality trait. It's who he is. He's a deceiver. Malicious behavior. This is fighting yet again. You're quick to engage in, in, in fighting and, 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 and harsh things with other people. Instead of being kind and merciful, in Galatians chapter 5, we should probably walk through that. And I will, if, if time allows here, I'll click over to Galatians chapter 5 in just a minute and read to you the 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 behavior traits of someone who's saved and the behavior traits of someone who is not saved and you will see for yourself and gossip it says gossip is destroying someone with your own tongue you shouldn't have if you don't have anything good to say they say you shouldn't say anything at all right but gossip is something that can destroy someone we shouldn't engage in gossip gossip is something that will destroy a church it will destroy a family. It will do, destroy friendships. Leave gossip lay. The tongue, as the Bible says, is a member of our body that is set on fire of the fire of hell. And it can destroy people. Backstabbers. Man, someone who will not who will not lift you up when you're not around. But have you ever met that person before? They're one way and when they're talking to you and when you turn around, they're talking really bad about you. Haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful, and inventors of new ways of sinning. Just plain sinning isn't good enough. They want to take it to a new level. Man, do we see that these days, right? They, they refuse to understand. They're promise breakers, not promise keepers. They're heartless, and they have no mercy. Man, these are all things that these abandoned people engage in. Now, I'm going to turn over here. Uh, to the book of Galatians. And I want to read to you some things that are in this book. And I want you to listen very closely to this and listen to what this says about these personality traits of, of the saved and the unsaved. And I want you to hear this. Okay. Um, over here in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to go to that. Here is what it is. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And I'm going to end with this, okay? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants you to do evil. 
which is just opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Now listen at this. When you follow your sinful nature, okay, I want you to hear this. The results are very clear, colon. One, sexual immorality. This would be the sinful nature, and this could be also traits of the abandoned person. Sexual immorality, impurity. This is spiritual impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, tarot cards, getting your palms read, engaging in witchcraft, which is very popular these days, Wiccans and pagans of all sorts who, who worship the creation and not the creator and manipulate people. Hostility, again, there's that. We were talking about that just here just a minute ago. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Listen what Paul says here. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Listen at this. So on one hand, we have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins. But then when the Holy Spirit is in your life, this is what should be being produced. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then it goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's what you have to do with that other side of you that we all fight every day. Put it on the cross. It's a constant fight. But those abandoned people, that's the kind of thing that happens when God pulls away his presence. It's almost similar to before we were saved, but the abandoned person just falls and falls and falls again. And all these descriptions that I gave to you is their lot in life with a final destination that is not heaven. So take a look at that with me as you read your scriptures tonight and go real slow and look at the abandoned person. God bless you.